This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit soul mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Okay, Top Tribe, this week's winner of the $100 is Zach Ferran. He's a 22-year-old Apple employee, and he's listening to the show and loving it. For your chance to win 100 bucks every Monday, simply subscribe to the podcast on iTunes now and then text the word Nathan to 33444 to prove that you did it to enter. Many of you call me and tell me you love my email marketing. I have a very secret tool that I used to do it, and it was so coincidental when Clay acquired the tool. It was called Drip, and I use Drip. I'm going to tell you how I use it later on in the episode, but if you want to use it right now and get the first 60 days free, go to NathanMicah.com forward slash Drip. I'll tell you my favorite feature and why I use it later on in the episode. Nathan Latka here. This is episode 484. Coming up tomorrow morning, you're going to learn from Dr. Dan Margolin. He does $2.5 million in annual revenue and just launched an info product where he's already done 750 grand just on that alone. How is he doing it? Top Tribe, good morning. Nathan Latka here. We've got two guests today, and there's a reason there's both of them are on. The first is Chad Newell. We had him on back in episode 40 at NathanLatka.com forward slash the top 40, where he talked about his business and touched on kind of crowdfunding uh, around his company, Snapwire. Now, the additional guest we have on today is Ron Miller, who leads a crowdfunding platform. I don't even know if that verbiage is correct. He's going he's gonna to correct me if I'm wrong, but it's called Start Engine, right? And Start Engine is helping companies like like snap wire. So what I'd like to do is first ask you both, are you ready to take us to the top? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, let's so there's a blend here, guys, and I don't want to bore people because there's there are very strict government regulations around this, and I don't want to get into like a ton of the detail. But Ron, why don't you just very quickly kind of tell us what Start Engine does and and kind of the legal uh, kind of boundaries you're taking advantage of. Absolutely. So StartEngine is the nation's leading platform that allows entrepreneurs to directly connect with potential investors to raise capital to fund their dreams. And in doing so, um, it takes advantage of these new laws that have opened up the possibility for everyone to become an investor in these startup and growth companies. Whereas before, in the days of Google, Dropbox, Facebook, all those kinds of companies, you typically had to be very wealthy and very well connected in order to have a chance to get in on the ground floor. Whereas now, under these new rules, uh, entrepreneurs like Tad Newell can uh, go on a platform like Start Engine and basically allow anyone to invest. And the other thing that it does is allows uh, companies to advertise broadly that they're in fact selling shares of stock in their companies so that people can become aware of these opportunities. And when was Start Engine launched? We were launched in June of 2015. Okay, 2015. And how much total kind of invested dollars have been put through your platform to date up through October here, 2016? Just about 20 million. Okay, 20 million. And, so uh, healthy. Uh, oh. Oh, yeah. There's been a lot of activity. We've got about 60,000 unique uh, individuals who have uh, participated in our community, and of which I'd say something like twelve or 13,000 have become actual investors. Very cool. And uh, let's just break down very quick, Ron, how you're making money on this before we get into a real story of somebody using your platform in Chad. Um, how do you make money? 
So, you know, basically, um, it depends on the specific rules we operate under, but basically we charge 5% of the total uh, capital that's, that's raised, and it is paid um, out of the proceeds of the raise, meaning that the entrepreneurs, it doesn't cost them anything to try. Under the other rules for the what's called the large online public offerings, these are the ones who will let entrepreneurs raise up to $50 million per year. We just charge a flat $50 per investor for those, regardless of how much the investor puts in. So if we look at Chad's deal, which we're getting to deeper, and his goal is to do a million, the, the listed on your site is funding goal, 50000 to a million. If he raises a million, what he'll actually be getting is a million minus 5%. Is that accurate? That is correct. Okay. So is it fair to say since founding, if I just do the math on your $20 million in transaction volume, you've done about a million dollars in revenue? Uh, is Yes, I would believe that's correct. About 5%. Is that is that your only uh -huh. revenue model or is there any kind of SaaS play on the back end? Uh, no, there's no SaaS play at okay. the current time. We, we plan on developing our technology into a SaaS model, primarily for international distribution at some point in the future. But today, we are just focused on the U.S. market, and uh, there is currently no SaaS option in there. Okay, great. So let's shift this over to Chad. Chad, there's a lot of options, I think, like this. Uh, Ron, maybe you correct me. Maybe you are specifically tied into a government law that makes you actually very unique. But Chad, why did you decide to use uh, uh, Start Engine? In the beginning, we decided to test the Waters campaign under the rules of Title II. Companies could be uh, allowed to raise up to $50 million, but we quickly turned gears to what's called a Title III, where we can raise up to a million dollars. Ron was one of the very first companies to uh, adopt that strategy and those rules on his platform. So it became a no-brainer to you know, commit to launching a Title III on Start Engine. But uh, Start Engine and Snapware had worked together to run a Test the Waters campaign few weeks before we actually switched gears and went to Title III, just about, uh, about $3 million of reservations from potential investors when we thought we were going to do a Title IV. So we had every intent of going out with a Title IV, but we switched gears quickly to a Title III. And the reason we did that is that we had to the capital in a much quicker way, it avoided uh, long lengthy audits and um, additional regulation filing processes with the Securities Exchange Commission. Uh, most companies that go out for a Title III can immediately file a form with the Securities Exchange Commission and uh, a few weeks later start collecting investments. And so, Ron, why, uh, help educate me here because I'm very uneducated in this space. I've raised capital, the typical VC areas, two and a half million bucks for my last company. Hey, why is this so groundbreaking? I mean, I feel like the only difference is this is like a public up on a website versus usually I'm emailing investors trying to get them to give me money. How is this different? What, what's what's this? Why is it so big? Well, the reason it's so big is literally since the Securities Act was passed in 1933, our Congress, in its brilliant wisdom, decided that people that didn't earn more than two hundred fifty or $300,000 a year if you're married were not sophisticated enough to take the kind of risk that uh, is associated with investing in private companies, meaning that you couldn't invest in anything primarily unless it was through a publicly traded uh, exchange company. And so what what's Vanguard, radical about index this, fund, things like that. Yeah, anything that's listed on the on the on the stock exchanges. So, yeah. so that's a pretty radical concept. And after all, most people know that that the real wealth is made by being an early early investor. Meaning that once these companies actually hit the exchange, sure, if you invest when they first go on the exchange, like you might 
competitive in Facebook. Um, it, it, it is profitable, but it's nothing even close to the profits that have been garnered by the individuals that got a chance to invest in the very, very early stage. So this really, in opening this to everybody, is a radical shift in how the regulators and Congress looks at the opportunity uh, for people to back companies that they're excited about and see these new technologies and innovations come into the market. Why? Yeah, go ahead. I just want to add, you know, the main reason it's appealing for a company like us is that, you know, as you'll remember, I did this log in raising $2.1 million in traditional venture debt. And I tell you, you that it's Snapwire 2.1 in traditional? Yeah, traditional. And it doesn't prohibit you from doing equity crowdfunding and you can do these things in tandem. But one of the benefits of doing this is if you have a large community like Snapwire, you know, and you can go to our uh, community who primarily make up non-accredited investors, you can have your own biggest believers invest in your company. And that was really the fastest way that we could see justifying uh, doing this equity crowdfunding exercise. Well, what, guys, one of the things that makes this hard for me to get my head around and maybe can help me, I, I'm a big believer, like the best investors are customers, right? And customers invest in you by buying your product. So like wh- why, if a customer loves you, Chad, to the point you just brought up, why don't they just buy more of your product? And if you have healthy margins, then you're going to keep growing anyway. In other words, how, how do you, you know, when you're calling a customer, you have a one-on-one call with them, how do you know whether to pitch them on investing in your business or buying your product? Well, you know, on Snapwire, we have a community of 300,000 photographers in 180 countries who are all on the platform willing to wanting to sell their images to image buyers. And the reality is the image buyer ratio against the photographer ratio on Snapwire is much, much lower than it would be for all the photographers. So our photographers who believe in our way of selling their photos are our biggest uh, investors and our biggest advocates of the platform. In, in, in other words, there are more photographers who are going to be willing to invest in in Snapwire than there are buyers today. I see. And give us some more economics on that. So is Snapwire pay as you go? It's kind of paper image or is it a SaaS model? It's pay as you go. We have both. For a buyer, you can launch a creative brief that's launched to our community. The photographers respond in real time. And when the buyer finds the images that they love, they license the rights to use those. But we also have a growing stock photo library where photographers upload to that. When buyers find the right photo, they download it and license on an a la carte basis or through a SaaS model. What makes up the majority of revenue right now, the SaaS model or the pay as you go? Right now, it's 50-50 split, but the returns per image are a little bit different in either camp. It's much higher on the request or the assignment flow than it is in the marketplace. Okay, and how many unique people have bought a image through Snapwire since your founding date? Uh, there have been 9,000 photos uh, moved through the system through about 7,000 photographers. 7,000 photographers. Okay, and what year were you founded in? 2014. Okay, so you've raised already 2.1 million bucks. That's not inclusive of the you know 158,000 right now on Start Engine, correct? Okay, so how do your current investors feel? I mean, how does this stuff fall into the the equity stack, right? Uh, on the you know the cap, the, the you know the stock stack. That's a great question. Investors, our investors, we raised you know in, uh, debt, you know venture debt from notable angels to get our our, our foundation going, and they were a thousand percent supportive of what we were doing. You know, you raise money in different cycles for the maturity and the stage of the company. And in the beginning, we had a big platform to build, so we needed to raise money out of the community, and then we built our community. And going into this uh, provides all kinds of ancillary benefits. The community talks about it. 
uh, we're able to leverage uh, the support and the value of the community being invested into our business, both materially and also, you know, morally and, and motivationally. Um, that just is going to support us when we go out for our next round of financing, which will probably come from, you know, um, you know, a, a price round from. You know, traditional tier one VCs. If you've already done a priced round, maybe Ch- uh, Ron, this is a question for you. If Chad's two million was a priced equity round with Series A investors, can he do start engine on top uh, after a priced round? Absolutely. Um, one of the main advantages for companies raising capital under these rules is that they get to set the terms. And setting the terms in this case means making a decision, as uh, some companies have, to uh, essentially create, in addition to a price round, a second round, which can be priced or non-priced. How does Aunt Jemima, I'm making this up and I'm being a little polarizing chat on purpose here. How does Aunt Jemima, the technically illiterate person who loves photography that lives in upper, you know, New England, Maine somewhere, but takes beautiful pictures for Snapwire and decides to invest in your business. How does she understand like a year from now when she sees Snapwire sell for $10 million, but your Series A value, your Series A investors put in $5 million with a 2x preference, right? So they're going to have to be, they're going to take all that $10 million. How do you explain to her that, that she doesn't get any money back because of a liquidation preference? And the question I'm really getting at here is, how can you expect these people investing via start engine to understand ratchet clauses, dilution clauses, you know, liquidation preferences on future rounds? Well, everything is, you know, the beautiful thing about equity crowdfunding is disclosure. So you have to disclose literally everything. And the disclosure statements are, you know, really clear to potential out- potentialities. You know, in Snapwire's world, we raised venture debt, so convertible notes. We have never done a price round. So that affords me, the entrepreneur and the CEO and chairman of the board to uh, negotiate the best for all the common stockholders, which includes me. So, you know, we, we can't talk about necessarily the details of the terms of our offering on this episode. Yeah. Um, but we can hypothesize that if I were to be selling only common stock in the next round of financing is, is a price round or preferred stock, I'll be in a position to protect all of our existing investors. Okay. Lawsuits. One of the things VCs, even when we were raising capital, the first questions in due diligence was, let's see your cap table. And generally speaking, the more people you have listed on your cap table, the higher risk in the future that one of them sues if you have a big exit, right? For some made up thing, just because they want money. Uh, Ron, how does the system start engine as a system? How is, how illegally, how do, how is that risk uh, limited for future potential investors. Well, first is through the disclosures and the subscription agreement that each investor signs. So there's going to be um, an understanding, a mutual understanding that's evidenced by the actual subscription agreement, which is going to limit the rights of both the investor and the company uh, relative to each other. Okay. The second thing is just disclosure, as Chad pointed out. The third thing is, is that, you know, I, I, I think to be honest with you here, Nathan, I, I think there's an inversion of risk. And here's what it is. If you have other sophisticated venture capital, super angels, high net worth individuals in your round and something along the lines of what you described occurs where there's an exit. But for some reason, some folks feel that they're entitled to more people that have hundreds of thousands or millions into these deals have a 
substantial stake to motivate them to bring those kinds of cases. And in addition, they have access to the legal counsel um, that would be able to perhaps even take that kind of stuff on contingency. Whereas if you take the average person who might have invested five or $600 in an opportunity, if it didn't work out or if others ended up walking away with materially more, so meaning that, well, I thought I'm really entitled to double my money. I should have gotten $1,000 back, but instead I only got 650 or 750 I think most people are probably likely to walk away rather than to uh, get litigious, um, particularly where their access to attorneys is not the same. Well, I mean, I, the reason I ask that is because you have these people that build businesses to take advantage of things like this, right? There's the person, I'm making this up, and you tell me why this is impossible because I'm sure this is, you know, you know, has legal all around it. But I, as an investor, let's say I was predatory. I could go put a dollar or, okay, actually minimum investment here that I see. Well, I guess maybe I can't talk about it, but there's minimum investments for all these things on start engine. Let's go say I put in the minimum on all of them with the only goal of hoping that one of them exits one day and I'm just going to sue the hell out of them, make it a pain in the butt to just make as much money as possible. I'm a horrible human being. I'm, I'm predatory. Yep. How do the laws prevent that? You had limits, right? There are limits to your investment and or returns to your investment. If you put a buck uh, under a reasonable, you know, judgment, you would be limited to your return. So we, you know, even as an issuer, we set our own limits to how much money we will accept from any in particular investor when you're doing equity crowdfunding. So, you know, I wouldn't set my uh, upper limit to be more than a, a, an amount that I would be comfortable with to deal with in a sort of a negative scenario as you're illustrating. Okay. Let me take this a different direction. Um, information rights. Uh, do, do, Chad, do, if you raise and you close this through Start Engine, do you have do you have to send a monthly, a quarterly update? And if so, what has to be in those updates to all these investors? The Securities Exchange Commissions sort of require us to do updates on a biannual basis, and we will be compliant with financials. But as far as, as far as information rights, we limit those in our own terms. It's because you set your own terms of your offering and create your own circular under Title Three or Title IV, uh, you can uh, be very clear under the disclosure statements what kind of information will be available for investors. Okay. Guys, am I allowed, I don't know legally. Am I allowed to read the, what I'm seeing on startengine.com on this particular deal? Can I read off like the number investors the amount raised so far and all that or is that not allowed yeah legally no you're not allowed to okay. the idea that this is a, basically a tombstone ad and the spirit of title three is to let the cloud the, the excuse me the crowd collectively decide if snapwire is a sound investment all communications about the deal the terms of the investment have to be done on the portal itself so you'll see a campaign there have been lots of questions answered of me and i've responded in kind of the comments section the spirit of title three is that you drive everybody to what's called a tombstone ad and that's effectively what you're seeing here uh, on our portal that's so you can't give private information to different people or leave things out or accidentally whether intentional or not that's correct got it interesting um so could i invest what, what would i get on let's say i put money into snapwire what would i get on a biannually basis i mean would it be an email from you with with financials or what yeah, you'll end up getting um, a, a shareholder report um, that is in compliance with the Securities Exchange Commission's requirements. So isn't, I mean, this seems like to me a great way for competitors to make sure they know exactly what you're doing. That's totally, you're going to bring up a great point. You drop your drawers and you want to, you know, yeah. try <laughs> in the investment investors. But you know what, if you have a solid product and a solid platform, um, you know, typically competition can't necessarily 
reverse engineer your strategies for execution. So these are our financials and it, we're transparent about it. I'm a transparent guy, so I feel very comfortable uh, having that up there. Got it. Makes good sense. Um, let me round out, guys, a few numbers here before we move into the final kind of segment of the show. Uh, Ron, take me back to your business. You said you had uh, you said you had 1,500 investors that have put at least, what, some money behind deals since you founded the business. Is that right? Um, no, I think it's I think it's something in the... Um, Twelve to fourteen thousand oh, unique thousand. investors have put it. In. Yes. Okay. Uh, and then, how many unique people like Chad companies that have raised through your platform? Uh, I think that there are a total of fifteen to eighteen companies. Okay, eighteen so far. Uh, and what is your current team size at the business? Uh, we have fourteen. And what about you guys? Have you raised capital or are you self-funded? No, we've raised capital. We've uh, done a uh, seed round, and then we did a uh, Series A round as well uh, that closed last December. Uh, how much did you raise in total? Six point five. Oh, I'm sorry. Total was seven point seven. Seven. Okay, seven point seven million. And um, did you use uh, your platform to raise or no? No, no, no. That was a action unsolicited outside uh, outside investor that came in but we are contemplating doing so next year wait come on ron why aren't you eating your own dog food that has to be a question you get no actually i mean the guy just walked in and and uh and offered to do that because of a basically a personal connection uh, I see. Okay. Um, of my partner <laughs> I see. Um, but we weren't we weren't out actively um actively doing it but that's the reason why we're going to be doing it on the platform next year that's great um what I don't know if you can say this. What's the average value of an investment? Like if you take across all of your deals, what's the average investor putting in? Fourteen hundred is the average. Oh, interesting. Okay. You know. Okay, fourteen hundred. Very cool. Um, who are you competing with? What are some of the other companies in this space that you're looking out, uh, kind of watching? So um, there is a company um, called Seed Invest that okay. Chad mentioned earlier. Um, there's another one called Next Seed out of uh, Texas, and there's another one called WeFunder. Uh, there's one called Flash Funders here in LA, uh-huh. um, and uh, and those those are primarily the the larger ones. When you look at, let's say there's VCs listening right now trying to figure out one of uh, these kind of businesses to invest in. They're trying to figure out who's going to win. Is it, I mean, do you see the same kind of uh, key indicators that you see in typical marketplaces? Is that what people should be looking at? In other words, is that, is that how you win this space? You get marketplace kind of dynamics, network effects? I think there's certainly some of that, but it will depend on number one. I think the niche, I think there's, there's certain companies that are beginning now. It's just beginning to establish certain uh, competencies in, in specific niches. I think that that's certainly going to be a factor. Um, secondly is the uh, success rate of the companies that come on because obviously uh, entrepreneurs are going to want to believe that the um, companies that they're listing on are have a higher likelihood of success. And then um, third thing is, you know, in terms of what kind of support each of the companies are going to provide uh, to the entrepreneurs as they go about the creating and promoting their campaigns. Makes great sense. Guys, for both of you, you're both sitting on very interesting concepts. You're building great businesses. Ron, where's the best place for people to connect with you online to continue following the journey? Yeah, so my uh, email address is ron at startengine.com, and I'd be more than happy to answer any questions or give feedback. Uh, Again, it's ron at startengine.com. Very good. And guys, we will link to that in the show notes at nathanlacka.com forward slash the top 484. Chad, same question to you. Uh, Chad at snapy.re. So it's S-N-A-P-W-I.re. 
folks. Like I said earlier in the episode, people tell me they love my email marketing. And you know what? I look like a genius because of like a very simple tool. And the tool is called, by the way, nobody knew about this tool, okay? Until Clay Collins with his big fat checkbook at Lead Pages came along, acquired it, and now like the whole world knows, okay? It's called NathanMicah.com forward slash drip. And the way I use it, I use it to send messages to my audience emails on time basis or different actions based off subscriber criteria. It's why my email marketing is so good. I get complimented about it all over the place. And I hit Michael Stelzner hard early on in the year. You cannot blast your email lists anymore. People ignore you. You have to do strategic messaging based off time delays, content consumption, and what your subscribers are totally interested in. So you can sign up and start using Drip at NathanLatka.com forward slash Drip right now. It's more powerful than Infusionsoft, but light as a feather. So easy to use. Get 60 days free at NathanLatka.com forward slash Drip right now. And look, a little hint, right when you log in, I want you to click the button where you use the drag and drop interface. Personally, it's my favorite feature because I don't like spending money on developers. So I use this myself. I drag and drop it. Boom, boom, done. I'll see you there. NathanLatka.com forward slash drip. Okay, Top Tribe, I have to tell you, many people go, Nathan, you came out of nowhere. Your website's going so fast. How'd you do it? The answer is simple. So I use HostGator. I don't know if you guys know that, but I use HostGator. And the reason I do, they have like about 4,500 free templates I can use because I don't code. They've got a great e-commerce plugin. And guys, I bug the heck out of their support. They've got 24-7 support, which I love. So what I've done is I've worked with them. You guys know I make great deals. If you go to HostGator.com forward slash Nathan, you can sign Sign up, get your own domain for 30% off and a 45-day money-back guarantee. Okay, again, I make great deals for you guys. Go to HostGator.com forward slash Nathan to grab that now. All right, very good, guys. We'll link to all that in the show notes at NathanLatka.com forward slash the top 484. Folks, let's wrap this up. Ron and Chad with the famous five. I'll go back and forth. So, Chad, this one's to you first. Favorite business book? Oh, man. Um... Next question. Chad, you cut out. What'd you say? Oh, next question. Oh, you don't, you don't know. You don't have a a business book that you read that you liked right now. I don't. I mean, Ron, what about you? Oh, it's got to be Trump, the art of the deal. <laughs> I so do, good. I do express, no, no, seriously. I would say it's the E-Myth by Michael Gerber. E-Myth, very good. Okay. Uh, Chad, this one's to you. Is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Um, I am studying uh, Sean Malarkey, who is the founder of uh, Skate Swing. Yeah, you guys are like a brotherhood down there in, uh, in Santa Barbara. The right answer would have been, I'm studying Ron Miller, and he should put a lot of money into my deal, right? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> number, <laughs> number three, number three. Uh, Ron, let's take this one to you. Is there a favorite online tool that you use as your building start engine? Um. I would say, you know, besides Twitter, I mean, you know, everybody's using that. Um, I, um, yeah, I would say just probably our internal email would be my personal favorite. But then again, I'm probably showing my age bias there. (laughs) Chad, what about you? Uh, As it relates to the Title III effort that we're doing, Google Sheets, because you have to have formalizing conversions. It's all about the number of eyeballs that you get on your campaign page. If anybody in the audience has a question about how those conversion ratios are set up on Snapware, I'd be happy to share that information with them. But you really have to measure your views. Chad, you don't have to, like, when you sell a business or if you do a Series B or Series C or Series D after you do kind of this crowdfunding, you don't have to get every single one of these signatures on those docs, do you? They all go in as a single syndicate, I imagine? 
You know, these are uh, common stockholders. And, you know, when we do sell um, the rights of the acquired, if we do, if we went down that path, um, we just fall under the terms of the deal and also the terms of the current offering that we're offering. So in other words, no, you don't have to get every single individual signature. No, sir. Got it. Okay. All right, Ron, let's focus these last ones on you since we've already had chat on for this. Uh, Ron, yes or no, do you get eight hours of sleep every night? I can't say I do, but I try to get as close as I can. And what's the situation? Married, single, do you have kids? I've got, I'm married for 21 years. Wow. I've got two kids. I've got a 19-year-old uh, at USC studying entrepreneurship, and I've got a, a 17-year-old studying psychology at uh, University of San Francisco. Very cool. And how old are you? I am 54. 54. So last question, Ron. Take us back 34 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Well, my, the, you want the real answer that the I should push and do on a pot? Okay. <laughs> what I, what, that is, is, as it relates to, to attracting women, it's all about confidence. And if you don't have it, fake it till you make it. <laughs> Top drive. There you have it from Ron Miller. He has a thing for Donald Trump and confidence. Something's happening here. I see a trend happening. No, just kidding. Ron Miller and Chad Newell coming on, both using each other to grow their businesses on start engine side again many many over 13 12,000 folks have used the platform to invest in companies that they love on over 18 deals on the snapwire side over 2.1 million dollars raised now using start engine to continue growing their business by letting their customers get involved with their cap table and their equity stack guys thank you for taking us to the top thank you very much thanks for having us if you enjoyed Ron and Chad today, go back and listen to Timo yesterday. He's the CEO of Pipedrive, which just passed 30,000 paying customers and $10 million in annual occurring revenue. Okay, Top Tribe, I'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning. And don't forget, before you listen to any other episodes, subscribe on iTunes right now for your chance to win 100 bucks every Monday.